Okay, I'm, a, I'm about to do something very different. No, not that. If I did that, it would be a shocking difference. But, uh, huh? No, I'm not going to do that either. So during worship, so I prepared a preach. But during worship, I felt God changed that completely. So I'm going solely on what God is telling me. My heart is pounding. I'm feeling a little bit ill. <laughs> but it's fine because God is doing his thing. But just during that song, God of Revival, I just felt God say, change your preach and speak about revival. So that's what I'm going to speak about. What does it look like? Hey, let's see what happens. Eh? But as I was just worshipping and just going on, I just asked God, what has been the greatest moment of revival in history? And I felt God drop one thing in. He says, the birth of my son is the greatest revival in history. Why? Because it came and it, the darkness scattered. So God's, God's revival started when Jesus came. And guess what? It's still carrying on. We're the one who has moved away from God's revival. And as God's revival continues, are we just there to jump on the bandwagon and get off whenever we want to? Or are we there to actually continue the whole time? So as I was just, while we were worshiping and just that whole thing, come awaken your people, come, I just felt God say, wake up, church. Why? Because revival's happening whether you like it or not. It's happening in a man's totally right now. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is doing revival in the man's totally right now in the hearts of people? Because he is. Are we looking out for it? Are we saying, God, I want to be a part of it, I want to do it? What happened when Jesus was born? Jesus was born, people flocked to him. The shepherds, excuse the pun, left their flocks and flocked to Jesus. Hey? The wise men, even before Jesus was born, the star was already saying, come, I'm going to show you something that is greater than all the riches of the world. Yeah. Jesus. You can come and you can lay your gold, your myrrh, and your frankincense at his feet, but that pales into the significance as to who he actually is. So the kings of the world will come and lay their wealth at their feet, but Jesus' wealth is far greater than that. And that's what we have access to, and that's what we tap into when we say, God of revival, come. Cool? So remember, the greatest moment of revival in history has been when Jesus was born. And it has been continuing throughout the centuries, and it will continue until he comes back again. God's revival never stops. Hey? Keeps burning, keeps carrying on and carrying on and carrying on. So I want to read from Isaiah 61. Is that if we as a church are going to be a church that wants the revival to happen, if we are going to say, God, revive, revive let their revival happen, come and wake up your church, come and wake up your people, I believe that when Jesus went into the desert and he came back, he read the scripture from Isaiah 61, which says, the, sovereign, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, that carries out revival. And if you read Isaiah 61, and it's not up there because, hey, this is all impromptu, let's go for it. It says here, it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captive, to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. How is that not revival? Mm -hmm. hey? How is that not revival when we're coming and we're saying, you know, I'm preaching good news to the poor, 
I'm binding up the brokenhearted. I'm proclaiming freedom for the captives, the freedom that Jesus already won. We don't have to earn that freedom. We have it. But how are we communicating that into the world? We are saying, come to a Sunday service. Come. Let's sing a couple of songs. Let's hear a preach, and let's just go out and just enjoy the rest of our lives. No, he says, come. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. How often do we proclaim the year of the Lord's favor over our families, over our workplaces, over our friendships? It goes on and says, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. This is beautiful. This is what God has said, come, this is what I want to do. Are you with me? And I feel God saying that. He says, are you with me? I'm doing this. I'm doing it. But are you with me? And that line from that song, wake up your church. Wake up your people. It's so relevant to today because I think our church is in a slumber. I know God's doing something in this church because there's definitely been um, a twisting and a, a turning and almost like a ricking and a plicking and just people getting into action. You know? But we are here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Not just for this year. The year of the Lord's favor is from when Jesus was here until he comes again. God knows no time. We think you go 365 days, I'm only going to have one year of favor with the Lord. Well, actually, one day is like a thousand years to God. That's awesome. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That's what you and I are. The moment that we come into freedom and to understand who, what, what God has done for us and to, and to take that and to... I'm trying, trying to find the words, but I'm not. It says he plants us as oaks of righteousness for his splendor. God looks on his church and he sees splendor. Are we taking that and twisting it to our own desires? Or are we taking what God has given us for his desires and for his glory and for his splendor? If you skip a couple of um, verses down, it says, Instead of your shame, in verse 7, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. You will also inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will, will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. God hates corruption. This might come across as strong. Are you corrupting his word? Are you corrupting his faith? Are you corrupting his love? Are you manipulating people to loving you instead of loving God? Is it, are we as a church, and I know that we're not, but I think it's just, are we as a church manipulating people to come to church for the sake of people being here, or are we actually truly, genuinely wanting people's lives to be turned around? Because that's what God wants. He doesn't want false worshippers. He wants true worshippers. But he wants worshippers that will go out and bring in other worshippers that will love God for who he is, not for what they can get from God. And as a church, we need to show people God's love for who he is, not for what we can get from God, 
Because the moment that we understand who God is and we start walking in the will of God for our lives, the blessing comes. Healing comes. Everything comes that God has for us. We don't have to jump through hoops and hurdles in order to earn God's favor. We know that. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All will see them will acknowledge that they are people that, Lord, that the Lord has blessed. How often do we go around with sad faces because of our circumstances? Hey? Just as Dwayne was even praying before the offering tonight, it's a case of, you know, you start worrying about finances, you start worrying about things. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always in Philippians 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. With everything, bring before God with thanksgiving and petition. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Yeah. You look at the world around you, what is the world doing? They are anxious about everything. God's saying, do not be anxious about anything. And it goes on at the end, he says, and then you'll have the peace that passes understanding. The peace of God will come into your hearts. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and arrayed me in robes of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and the garden causes seed to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Do you want that for a mansum toti? I want praise and righteousness to spring up from a mansum toti. And we've, we've heard prophetic words that have been spoken over Manzum Todi. But it's a case of, I think God speaks the words, we forget the words, and every now and again we say, oh God, remember that thing. Remember what you said. God's never forgotten. Yeah. We forget. We forget that our God is a sovereign God, that he is mighty, that he is powerful, that he is victorious, that he comes that in, with righteousness and justice, this foundation of his throne, and that everything is done in the world through Jesus. Everything. But we have to tap into that. We have to get on God's chariot. God's chariot is hurtling ahead towards his ends and his purposes. And often we get on and we enjoy the ride for a while and we get off and we get wallow and we wallow in our, dis- in our despair and our misery and then we decide to get on again and everything is cool. Yeah, and then, then things start heating up. What does Romans 12 say? Just offer yourself as living sacrifices. The problem with the living sacrifice is they can get off the altar as soon as the fire of God comes. God doesn't want us to get off the altar. He wants us to grip onto that altar and say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Burn away the stuff that is not of me so that I can reveal your glory into the world. There's been some prophetic words that um, over, not this church, but over the churches of Amazon Todi, is that God wants to come and awake the sleeping giant. The scary thing is that the giant fell asleep in the first place. And I think if you look across the country and across the world, the churches have almost taken a little bit of a backseat because the world is enforcing its culture upon the world instead of the church enforcing God's culture on the world. And we don't want to offend. God has never called us to be a politically correct church. He's called us to speak the truth in love. 
And when we do that, we will see great things happen and great things come from the churches and from the people within the church. You know, God hasn't just ordained Greg or anointed Greg or Leon or myself to preach the good news. Every single person here is anointed. You go and read, I mean, um, Isaiah 61. It says, the the Lord has anointed me. Take out me and put your name there. God has anointed Grant to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted. I can't physically bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus can. But by preaching the good news, all of a sudden, the brokenhearted get bound up. All of a sudden, healing comes. All of a sudden, there's restoration. There's freedom for the captives. So the challenge really is, are you going to get going with God or are you just going to watch him go? Because he's going. And I believe that God is saying, come, KCR. He says, you want revival? You're singing about revival? You're singing, I'm God of the city. Let me show you. And I believe God wants to show us. And I believe that God wants us to actually start taking the initiative and start saying, I'm going to take it to the streets. I'm going to go into the supermarkets. I'm going to go and shout it out that Jesus is alive from the rooftops, in the parking lots, in the malls. But it takes a brave person to do that. God has called us to be brave. Jesus was brave. He faced the cross on our behalf. I'm going to pray, and I wonder if we could sing that song again. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where to go from here. But it's just, this is just something that really gripped my heart while we were worshiping. And it's like, church, you're singing about wake us up. I want to wake you up. You're singing about, I want revival in the streets. I want to show you revival in the streets. I think for too long we have rested on the prophetic words that have been spoken over a man's toti instead of actually going out and starting to fulfill the prophetic words that God has spoken over a man's toti. It takes bold men and women to advance the kingdom of God. Are you ready to be bold? Eh? Are you ready to be forceful? I'm not saying forceful and going and punching people. I'm saying forceful and praying, getting on your knees and fighting for a man's mentality. That's being forceful. Forceful men advance. When people start rising up in opposition, are you going to say, hey, not in my city. When the enemy starts coming and starts with all this crime and everything, say, hey, not in my city, because this is the city of God. And this is what we want God to actually bring a revival about. And I feel it is a bit of a challenging word. It is you know, something that is very ad-lib and impromptu, but I really feel that it's right. And I feel that God is saying, come on, KCR. Come. The time is not time to sleep. It is time to rise up as a church and say, not in my city, because the king of, of heaven is the one who rules and reigns in man's mentality. So, Father God, we just... We declare that you are God of the city. We declare that you are king of our lives. We declare, Father God, that you are the one that has started revival already, and we just need to continue it, Father God. And we say, Father God, come and just... I don't know the words, but just shake us, Father God. 
come and shake us, come and move us, come and just put things in our heart, Father God, that actually just stir us up and just say, yes, I want to go. Like Isaiah, when he saw you in heaven and you said, who will go? He said, I will go. No hesitation, no nothing. He knew who you were. He knew what you could do. And he says, I'm going to follow that God. And I pray, Father God, that you would do that in our hearts, that we would have an encounter with you that would just change our aspect and our perspective of you. So, God, you are the God that is already victorious. You're already won. You're already marching ahead. All we have to do is follow you. And, Father God, we say we want to follow you this, this evening. In Jesus' name.